This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 220, and I'm talking with Amanda Napolitano. Amanda is the executive director for the Donna Foundation. She has run over 35 marathons. She started running marathons in 2001. And just this last weekend, she qualified for Boston for the first time. What an exciting day. I was so excited to see her post that she qualified. And I watched her finish line video and immediately thought I have to have her on the podcast while this is fresh in her mind. Amanda was a trainer with the Galloway team. She was a Galloway trainer for over 15 years. Running is really ingrained in her life and it embodies so much of what she does every day with the Donna Foundation. She directs the Donna Marathon that that's the race that I go to every February. It's coming up here the weekend, February 7th through 9th. I first met Amanda two years ago when I went down to Jacksonville for that race for the first time. I sat across from her at the dinner table and just instantly felt connected to her. She is the mother of two and she works so hard as the executive director at the Donna Foundation and and to help put on this amazing race that happens every year. What the Donna Foundation does is it helps those walking through breast cancer. They have a care line and they help people financially who are walking through the disease and they also help fund groundbreaking research. Um, They support the Mayo Clinic and I have had the opportunity to see what they're doing and just feel honored that I get to go down to this race every year and really hope that I can advocate for the Donna Foundation and what they do. Last year, I don't know, those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you were probably a part of this. We raised over $11,000 for the Donna Foundation together and and that's because this community came together and uh, Amanda gets to share with us a little bit about where that money went last year. So really excited to talk to her and connect with Amanda more. And also what an inspiring story she has. I know that a lot of people listening, qualifying for Boston is probably a long-term goal in your life, or maybe it's not a goal at all. Regardless, Amanda has such an amazing message and she's just an encouraging and motivating human being that I am really thankful to know. So you all should come down to the Donna Marathon February 7th through 9th, there's a 5K, a half marathon, a half marathon relay, a marathon, 110 ultra marathon and challenge events. This is a flat, fast Boston qualifying course. It's beautiful and it is a setting and experience that is like none other. It starts and finishes at the Beaches Town Center in the heart of Neptune Beach and Atlantic Beach in Florida. And again, this race fully supports the Donna Foundation. All right, and you guys can head over to breastcancermarathon.com and use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your entry. If you are newish to the show, go back to episode 92. Um, it's from November 24th, 2017. I can't believe it's been over two years. But that's when I interviewed Donna Deegan. She's the founder of um, the Donna Foundation and the Donna Marathon. And you definitely need to hear her story and get to know her over there. So that's episode 92 of this podcast. If you are subscribed to the show, you probably saw that we had three other episodes come out this week. I teamed up with my friends at St. Vincent Sports Performance and we had an athletic trainer, a sports dietitian, and a sports physician on the show this week. They all came on to 
share some information and knowledge. And um, this is a facility that I've been going to myself for years. Anytime any kind of injury pops up, I'm always heading over to St. Vincent Sports Performance. And I just really trust what they're doing over there. So if you're not subscribed to the show, A, subscribe to the show so you don't miss bonus episodes like that. And if you aren't subscribed and you didn't get those downloads, head over and download those episodes. Check out my conversations with the professionals at St. Vincent Sports Performance. All right. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Amanda Napolitano. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to have my friend Amanda Napolitano on the show. Welcome to All Have Another, Amanda. Thank you, Lindsay, and good job with the last name. (laughs) (laughs) We practiced like four times before I hit record. So, Amanda, we met two years ago. Was it two? Yeah, two years ago when I first came down to Jacksonville for the Donna Marathon. And I remember, do you remember the day we met? I remember. (laughs) I remember, yes. We were at that restaurant. uh, There was like a famous chef that... Uh, cooked at the restaurant. Yes, uh, Gilbert. And um, he was a chef uh, that had a restaurant in uh, Jacksonville Beach. And um, he had done, I think he cooked Thanksgiving for Oprah or something. That's his claim to fame. But yeah. And he like came out to our table and said hello and made us feel like we were very important as well. Well, you are very important. (laughs) And the table was full of very important people. You know, we had, gosh, we had Jeff Galloway there. We had Joan Benoit Samuelson there. Donna. Um, Donna, of course. Donna Deegan. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's, let's introduce. You were pregnant. I was pregnant. Yes. First, the first, like, okay, I haven't told many people this, but I'm pregnant. Yeah. So I was like 14 (laughs) weeks, I think, or something Uh like that. And so the internet did not know. And I was pregnant with Sandy. And I remember I had to turn down a glass of wine and I was like, I better just let them know. And then I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to run as fast. And I was like, maybe I'm not going to act as fun as I normally would because I'm really tired. (laughs) No, that was exciting. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm always the pregnant one. Not anymore. Those days are over. You done? Done. Done, done, done. (laughs) Four is enough. (laughs) Four is enough. Um, well, and I met your husband that night too. And we, I got to know a little bit about your family. I, I really knew nothing about you before that night. And I sat right across the table from you. So that was really fun. It was fun. It was fun. Let's, let's share with our listeners who you are, Amanda. Um, you live in Jacksonville. Well, I guess Jackson, is it, do you consider it Jacksonville where you live? Yeah, I think, you know, the Jacksonville area is a pretty broad, big area. I live specifically in Neptune Beach, Florida, which is um, one of our beaches communities of of the city of Jacksonville. Yeah, I want to live there. Every time I go down, I'm like, this is really nice. It's the best place ever. You should you should totally move here. Yeah. And I now we follow I follow you on social media. So every time I see your post, I'm like, it looks a lot warmer there than it is here. She looks like she's living a good life. It's a good life. The beach (laughs) life is the best life. I love it. Um, My husband. My husband and I picked Jacksonville and the beaches off of a map right after we got married. And we moved here with no jobs, um, you know, no real objective other than we wanted to live on the coast. So, and we love it. We've been here 20 years. Did you know anybody that lived there? The only person that I knew at the time that lived here was um, one of my dearest friends, Ingrid. Um, she was a sorority sister in college. I uh, was an 80 pie at Florida State University, and she was the only person that I knew that lived here. 
I mean, that is just like, if that's not just something you do when you're in your early twenties, I don't know what it, like when else in your <laughs> life do you do that? You just pick it out on the map and you say, here, we're, this is where we're going. This, yep. This is where we're going. We were living in Atlanta and, um, my husband is a surfer. He grew up in, in South Florida and, um, the guy was just a fish out of water. I mean, he missed the coast so much. I grew up in, in Macon, Georgia. So Atlanta was really where I was thinking I would, I would live for the rest of my life. Um, but I'm looking at this guy that I love dearly and he's mm. just, he just needed that water. And, um, so off we went. How did you guys meet? We met in a bar. Love it. <laughs> love it. I was, uh, actually with that sorority sister that we were just talking about. And, and another one of my dearest friends from college, Jody, um, we were visiting each other in Orlando, believe it or not. And um, Mike just happened to be there with some friends up from uh, where he was living at the time down in South Florida. And um, it was a Halloween weekend, um, Irish pub. He just sort of walked up to the table. Uh, his his friends that he was with were sort of flirting with us. But but he kind of walked across the room and I'm like, that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally that quick. I was like, him. <laughs> he is very handsome. And that was it. Did, did you date for a long time? Uh, we did. It, um, at the time, I was a consultant and um, doing uh, um, systems integrations for those big computer systems that were apparently going to die, you know, when we turned um, to Y2K. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was living and working up in the Northeast. I was actually up in New Jersey at the time, and oh, he was living right. down in South Florida. And this was, you know, before – this was before – true internet. I mean, there was no, we wrote letters. So we had a long distance relationship for almost a year. Um, you know, talking on the phone and writing each other letters and, and, um, until we finally decided that, that we really wanted to, you know, kind of take the relationship to the next level and began to, to, um, plan his move to Atlanta, um, and my move to Atlanta. So yeah, it was a great way to date. You know, you're aging yourself. How old are you? (laughs) I am, um, how old am I? I'm 46. I will be 47 in March. Wow. You don't look a day over 36. Oh, thanks. Yep. My husband and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary in November. Okay. That's what I thought I recently saw. 20 years of marriage. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. What's your best, before we get into the running, what's your best, uh, marriage tip? You've been doing it for 20 years. Oh gosh. Um, you know, I think it's really mutual respect and surrender to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, he's, he's got to come before me and, and he feels the same way about me with him, you know, and, and, and we're both very, you know, strong in our faith. So I think, you know, we look to Jesus for, you know, our completion and not each other. So there's not this pressure to, you know, you complete me. Um, and, and we're just a great team. We have a lot of fun together. Were you both walking in that similar faith when you met? Sort of. I mean, I think both of us were raised, um, you know, in Christian families and, um, you know, it was there. I don't think we really began to understand what that looked like until um, we began to, um, we found a church here in, in Jacksonville when we moved here. And, and when Ella was born, my, my oldest, um, you know, we, it was one of those things where, well, we have a kid now. We have to be going to church. That's what you do. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> and we were really blessed to find a great um, church here at the time, Beach Church and uh, Pastor Jerry Sweat. And then we were very involved in the launch of the Church of 1122 and our dear friend and now Pastor Joby Martin and his family. Um, and that's where we serve now. We're both deacons. Um, so it was it. We really journeyed together that way, which I think is 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 such a blessing um, because we you know, it it was kind of progressive sanctification together. Uh, so it's been it's been really great. That is really cool. It's hard when and I don't think that spiritually, you know, anybody's ever on the same level or whatever you want to call it as another person at any given time in their life. But it's really cool that you guys were able to grow up in that together. Yeah, it is. And and it can be hard for a couple when, when one person is in one place and one person's in another. Um, so yeah, I agree. And, and, and probably a reason why we're as confident in our marriage and happy and, 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 um, and things are going very well 20 years down the road for sure, for sure. Yeah, I I noticed when I was at, at the Donna Marathon weekend that um I don't know, I just felt like you guys were a really good team. I sometimes you just like watch couples from afar and you're like I see I see what's going on here and even though it's the outside looking in, I don't know, I just got a really good vibe. He's a good guy. Mike's a great guy. I love him. So, let's talk about your running. You ran your first marathon in October of 2001. What spurred that on? Well, when we moved here, uh, that was 2000, um, was the first time I think I had ever decided I would train for a run. Um, you know, I ran in high school and, and, uh, didn't run really at all in college. I did probably more drinking beer in college than anything (laughs) else. Um, but you know, it was always a hobby. And when we moved here, I decided that I really wanted to, to train for something. And, And we have the Gate River Run, which you may be familiar with. It's a 15K that is a national championship for the 10K, um, I mean the 15K here here in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. and and it's just one of those. If you live in Jacksonville, you run you run the Ripper Run, and so I started training for that. And um, it was at that expo that I met um, Chris Twiggs, who is now one of my dearest friends. Um, I call him really a coach as well. Um, he is the national program director now for Jeff Galloway Training Programs, and. Um, I was asked at that expo, you know, are you training for the Disney marathons? I was standing sort of in front of the Disney expo booth and I said, Oh my gosh, no, I could never run a marathon. And, and, and the guy that I was talking to at the time looked at me and said, why not? I did. And he could have easily been my grandfather. And I looked Mm -hmm. up at this guy and I'm thinking, well, gosh, if he can run a marathon, certainly I could do that too. And he pointed me to Chris and introduced me to Chris and said, this is the guy that can help you do that. And, um, and he certainly did. Um, we, uh, you know, f- from that moment on, really, the Jeff Galloway training program transformed my life um, in so, so many ways. Um, started training for my first marathon and I've run, I don't know, I stopped counting at like 35. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, I through the years um, became a program director with that organization. So I began to coach other people to, to run marathons. Of course, if you know, Jeff Galloway, you love Jeff Galloway. Um, you know, it was Chris Twiggs who, um, who heard Donna Deegan speak about the Donna foundation years ago and came back to me because we were leading the program together at the time and, and said, Hey, you know, we need to do something to help this foundation. Could we train some people to run a marathon and raise money sort of like team and training? I said, sure, why not? 
And so we approached Donna and she said that would be a great idea. I mean, you know, so, so really the, the Galloway organization and that one decision to, to, to go and, you know, and train for that first marathon really changed the trajectory of my whole life. Wow. Now that, you know, that I lead the Donna foundation as a job, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it was certainly a, a, a great yes that I, that I had. Wow. I've had the opportunity to meet Jeff and his wife, Barbara, uh, down at the, the marathon and they really, truly are like the nicest people. And, and they love the sport of running more than anyone I know. And, and I think it's that, that love and passion for it that is just, um, you know, it's, it it gets on (laughs) you. Yeah. Okay. So we all have to know then, because if, if anybody um, knows anything about the Galloway method, um, they mm-hmm. might have some questions. So can you share with everybody what the Galloway method is? You bet. So the whole concept of, of the Galloway method is to incorporate brief walk breaks into your run from the very beginning so that you um, sort of erase the fatigue on your legs early in the race so that you're stronger at the finish. Um, the best analogy that I have that people look at me and go, Oh, I get it is if you go into the gym and you start to like lift free weights, right? You usually would do like three sets of 12. Um, but you wouldn't do them all at one time. You're going to take a brief rest in between them so that you can complete the reps. It's sort of the same philosophy with your, with your body and running that if you can incorporate these walk breaks early and often, it erases that fatigue in your legs so that you don't you know, at mile 23 of the marathon and you're suddenly crawling. Um, so it makes you really have that fresh, strong feeling from, from start to finish. And, um, you know, it's, it's how I have trained and run my entire marathon career. I live by it. I swear by it. I've gotten faster by it. Um, you know, my race on Sunday, I absolutely incorporated that method. Um, I think I I tried one race in my history where I said, you know, I just need to know what it feels like to try to run this thing without incorporating these breaks. And, and it was awful. (laughs) (laughs) I would never do that again. Not ever. What time did you run? So, uh, Amanda, one of the reasons we're having Amanda on is that she just qualified for Boston. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So you're 46. What's your time that you had to run? So my, my, my qualifying time was, um, three fifty. Um, but as you know, and as anybody knows that, Mm -hmm. that uh, is going after this, you sort of have to get that, that minute or two differential or faster, um, time if you actually want to get into the race. So my goal was to be somewhere between a three forty seven and a three fifty. And what'd you run? I ran a three forty seven forty five. Wow. That's (laughs) awesome. It is a long time coming, Lindsay. I've been trying to do this for, you know, since I started. So that's been, you know, 19 and a half years, technically. Okay, so tell us the the kind of breaks that you took, because I know the Galloway method can vary. Like some people might take a break every, you know, five minutes. Some might be every two minutes. And maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But tell me what you did. Sure. Well, you know, the, the, the official guidelines in, in to work with, with, um, the Galloway organization to understand that is, is definitely has science behind it. There's a lot of statistics and history behind 
how those ratios are set up. So, um, you know, I definitely encourage your listeners to, to know what those are based on your pace and based on your mm-hmm, skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, I, I ran Sunday with a 2.30 and 30. So 2.30, two minutes and 30 seconds of running and 30 seconds of, um, of, a, of a shuffle break. I did not go all the way down to a walk. Okay. Um, but there was definitely a, um, you know, a shift in effort so that there was a shift in muscle use. Um, and then I allowed myself to walk through every aid station to, you know, to hydrate. Wow. Okay. So I had never done the Galloway method and I, I tried it, um, (laughs) at Donna last year for Mm -hmm. like, the first three miles. <laughs> um, I was also five and a half months postpartum and like really taking right. my time getting back. And so in reality, I was like jumping into something that I had never done before. And I probably mm-hmm. should have just ran easy the whole time. But I, I tried to keep with the guys doing the. I think they were doing, I don't know if they were doing 145 or what, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the shift. My body was not used to that. And mm-hmm. so I just, I just fell off the back and I finished behind them too by like, I think three minutes or something like that. But I just like, I can't, my body is not used to the on off like that. Yeah. It's, it's certainly something that, that for a lot of people, I mean, you know, it's like anything else. It's how you train. It's how you've always run. And, and it's sort of like, you know, not trying a new, (laughs) yeah, you know, something the day of the race. Yeah. you got to stick with what you what you've done to get there. Yeah, I was like, well, I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to like see how this if this is fun and I can like get to know the people in the group, but I was like, <gasps> I got to I got slow my roll. Um that is so awesome that you that you qualified and I just I loved seeing I could just see like the pure joy and I got to see the video. Was that your husband that took the video? My, my oldest daughter, Ella, took that video. Oh, my gosh. Your your daughters are beautiful. Oh, thank you. Like, they're beautiful so inside beautiful. and out. Sure. Yep. Yes, I'm sure they, I'm sure. And I know the outward appearance is not <laughs> the most important thing, but these are beautiful little girls. Um, talk to us about being a mother and going after these goals and kind of how your your kids were part of part of the whole deal. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we were talking early on about that first marathon uh, in 2001, um, which side note, we need to talk about that at, at some point, too. Yes. My first, my first marathon um, in 2001 was the Marine Corps Marathon, um, which if you if you think about that date, um, that was the um, October after September 11th. Wow. And it was um, in D.C., you know, the course went right by the Pentagon. Um, we didn't know if the race was going to be held. We didn't know if we were going to be able to get on an airplane. Um, we were, you know, trained to run this marathon, my very first one. And, and really for a long time, we didn't even know if, if, if we were going to be able to go up there and run. Um, and we did, and it was absolutely one of the most emotional days of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you think about what it meant at first marathon or anyway, and um, to be up there uh, and being served by the Marines, um, you know, they were thanking us. We were thanking them. Everyone's crying. I mean, everyone was wearing colors. You know, everyone had red, white, and blue. And I still have a T-shirt that they gave us that said, "Together we were together we run," and it has, um, you know, the U.S. flag on it. Uh, I will cherish that T-shirt forever. 
but, um, but yeah, such an emotional day. Um, and that sort of, you know, kickstarted my marathoning. Um, and, um, my PR marathon was, what did I say in 2004 mm-hmm. was the Austin marathon. Uh, and I ran a 341.26, which was a 26, 26 seconds off of my then Boston qualifying time. <laughs> Dang. That's a, second, that's a second a mile. And, um, you know, it was at that point I thought to myself, okay, I just finished up this season. Next season, I'll try for a Boston qualifier. It shouldn't be too hard. I'm there, right? I'm already there. And, um, and then I show up to a marathon that following season and sort of feeling like you did when we first met. Uh, only I didn't know at the time I was pregnant. With oh. <laughs> and, you know, I'm running this marathon and I'm going, why do I feel so tired? You know, what's wrong with me? And come to find out, you know, I was pregnant with my oldest. And, and really from there, um, I've always been a runner. I always continue to run and, and run marathons. Um, there's not been many seasons that I have not run a marathon. But, um, you know, this sort of goal to qualify for Boston took a backseat to the time that I wanted to spend raising my girls and being with my family and, and not wanting to put sort of that pressure on me in a sense. Uh, it was always there and always a goal. But, um, but for me, it, um, it was not, it's not something that I can just go roll out the door and naturally do. Um, it, it takes a lot of work and and a lot of commitment and a lot of time. And my priority had to be my, my sweet girls. Wow. Okay. I am still thinking about the 2001 marathon. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, like I can't imagine my first thought is were you scared to fly out there yes and no um you know I think there was this sense of determination yeah of of um real unity in the country and you know this sense of sort of you you can't you can't take us down you know Mm -hmm. and this commitment to to continue um and to not and to not let them win um, is what I remember. I, it, you know, my husband being the Italian heritage that, that he has extremely protective. Right. And the, the, the fact that, that he got on an airplane with me and flew up there for, it just still blows my mind that he had no, no reservations and problems with doing that. (laughs) Mm. Um, there was definitely a lot of, military, you know, presence at that race that year. Um, you know, there were snipers in the woods, there was countless, you know, helicopters in the sky. Um, you definitely got a sense of enormous security on that day. Um, and this was at a time where we weren't really used to that. I mean, no. think, think about, you know, pre pre nine 11, um, you know, just, I mean, that was just not something that we experienced ever. Yeah. And I mean, now at at any major marathon, you see, you look at any of the big buildings, you see, you see snipers up on the big buildings. Like if you pay attention, you see what's going on up there. Hold on just a second, Amanda. My dog is barking. It's probably the mail, probably the mailman. Hold on. Sorry. I also have a sick kid home from school. Oh, bless your heart. My number two, Lewis. What's the matter? He just has a fever. 
Like he's he's fine, but like I I can't send him to school. He's like he's like a hundred, low fever. He just wants to lay around all day. So I mean, he's five, so he's fine. It's not like having a two year old crawling around my feet. Right. No. The little boys are at daycare. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's get back on track. I'm sorry. And then my dog's barking. I'm like, I'm so unprofessional here. That's 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 what mama work is all about. Right. Dogs working and the kids are there. Yeah. I hear you. Seriously. Um. So. What time did you run that day? Like, what was your, do you remember your time for your first marathon? I don't know that I remember the exact time, um, but, um, but I remember that it, the goal was to finish. And, um, if, if I think back to sort of how we coach beginners to finish, um, the goal would have been right about five hours. Okay. Um, and I think that was roughly what it was just under five hours. Wow. And then just three years later, you ran the 341. Yeah. What were you, what were you doing differently? I know that was a long time ago, but I mean, that's like a really big chunk in a short period of time. Sure. You know, I think that, that the first marathon was a to finish, you know, it, it, it taught me how to do it and, and that I could do it. And, um, and, and then it was sort of what can my body do, you know, allowing yourself to, to, um, you know, push the pace and, and see what you can do. I, you know, I was not that day in Austin was a 15 minute PR. Wow. So, um, I ran Chicago in I'm actually looking at that race poster right now in my office here. Um, you know, I ran that in 2002. So that was sort of my next big, big major race. And I ran that my goal there was a, was a four fifteen. Right. That makes sense. I started with five. Yeah. See if I can do a four fifteen, And I did that. And Austin was just one of those perfect days that you don't even really anticipate. It was um, it felt very much like Sunday did. Uh, the weather was perfect. It was a um, fast course. I had no expectation of, of myself that day. And it was just my day. And um, this was before. <laughs> I'm aging myself again. This was before Garmin's. And so <laughs> I had this Timex watch, right. That you're just sort of hitting the splits on. Um, and, um, you're, you're basing your splits on the mile markers that the race is putting out. It's not even, you know, measured on, a, on the watch itself. And I think ultimately what happened is that I thought that I would round the corner and the finish line would be right there. And I rounded the corner and I had a little further to go than I thought. <laughs> and, uh, and so I missed that, that BQ time. Um, but I was so proud of myself that day because it was such a huge PR. Yeah. You know, my first marathon, I used a Timex watch too. Uh, Garmin's were out, but they, it was 2008. And like, I just, you know, I was just running for fun. I didn't need anything fancy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I specifically remember thinking that on my first marathon, like every time I hit a mile thinking, okay, now how, what's the average pace and you know, what do I have to do to get to the finish line in this time? And I never really knew until I finished like anywhere close to what I was actually going to finish in. Yeah. There was a lot of math we had to do in our heads. Yes. And your body, you feel like your body's like failing on you, especially your first marathon, you're like, what is happening here in my body? Um, okay. So, but then you went on to coach with the Galloway program for like 15 years, which is so cool. And have you always done that in Jacksonville? And I know you guys incorporate that into the Donna marathon training. So talk to us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I said earlier that that one yes decision to, to train for my first marathon with the Galloway organization really changed the trajectory of my whole life. Um, uh, you know, I joined the team, um, Chris and I, Chris Twiggs, who was the program director in Jacksonville at the time, he now manages it nationally. Um, I, I'm the type of person that, that I just, I make suggestions. I open my mouth too much. I say, you know, it'd be better if we did this, you know, it would be so much more organized if we did that. And what if we did that? And suddenly, you know, Chris is looking at me going, would you like to run <laughs> me? And, and so we made a great team for, a lot of years. And it was always here in Jacksonville. Um, and, uh, you know, the decision to partner with Donna and, you know, and have Jeff approach uh, Donna and, um, and begin to train people to raise money for the Donna Foundation, you know, that really propelled that team from 20 of us, right? Just a small little club that ran on the weekends. It was my weekend warrior sort of thing to, you know, it, at one time, I think we had like 600 people in that program. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it became just a big part, huge part of my life. And for a, a long time, um, you know, I was, I was an executive at a, at a, at a, you know, technology company and I was doing that all week and, and, and then being coach on the weekends. And, um, you know, I always said to, to Donna, you know, as we made the decision to, you know, we were, we were, let me just kind of scoot back a little bit. We were training, you know, the, the local Galloway program to raise money for the Donna foundation and to run the Jacksonville marathon. And in that first year, if you, if your listeners have heard Donna's interview, you've heard this story before, but in that first year, you know, we recruited about 80 people to run with us and we raised, um, you know, a hundred thousand dollars for the Donna foundation. So that was way better than selling t-shirts, which was what she was doing, you know, before that. And it got everyone's attention and, um, you know, it was Jeff Galloway and Donna Deegan and Dr. Edith Perez over at Mayo Clinic that sort of in that second year of training people for marathons came together and said, you know, why are we sending people to run someone else's marathon? Is there a national marathon for breast cancer? And there wasn't one. And so sort of that trifecta of talent with, um, you know, Donna and at the time being the anchor of our of our news organization here and Jeff Galloway being America's coach. Right. And, um, you know, Dr. Edith Perez being able to pull in, uh, Mayo clinic and the world-class shields, right. It just, it was this perfect combination of success, um, that launched, uh, the national marathon to finish breast cancer, which by the way, our 13th annual event is coming up February the 7th through the 9th. So that's only a few weeks out. And I will be there. Um, yeah, uh, for everybody listening, Donna Deegan, her episode was episode 92. So gosh, November, 2017. That's crazy to me. It's been two years. Um, and since then I've partnered with you guys. I come to the race every year now. Uh, if you have, if you are new to the show, cause I'm sure there's a lot of people that have, um, jumped on since that episode two years ago. Well, I hope so at least, um, <laughs> Go back and listen to episode 92. It's one of my favorite episodes, Donna. And and Amanda, if there's anything in what I'm saying that's not totally correct, you just correct me. But um, Donna's a three-time breast cancer survivor, and she started this foundation 
um, that really helps people who are walking through the disease and also funds groundbreaking research. And last year, with the help of people who listen to this podcast and on Instagram and you just any anybody in this community here, um, we raised, I think it was like ele- over $11,000, which I was super, yeah. super happy um, and, and proud of not, not proud of myself, but proud that the community came together, um, to raise those funds for an organization I care deeply about. I mean, just a very, just small snippet backstory is that I'm positive for the BRCA2 gene mutation. And so my breast cancer risk is very high. It's like 86%. And, um, I had a preventative double mastectomy in 2013. And so there's just like so many reasons that the Donna Foundation um, feels really close to my heart. And also just the fact that I've been able to go down and meet you guys and spend time with you and Donna and Edith, like all the people that are doing really important work. I feel like I've gotten in a front seat look at it. And it's just it's really, really special. Well, and, you know, we so appreciate that community effort to raise funds. And I will tell you this, this is exciting. So we took that $11,000, right? Along with with lots of other thousands of dollars raised um, around the country and invested it in our Donna Care Line, which is one of our programs. And through that program last year, we helped a thousand families living with breast cancer and we secured over half a million dollars in debt relief for those families um, while they're learning with breast cancer. So we promised to put those dollars to work to help people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like when I was running the race last year, I think it was mile eight. I don't know. It was this beautiful area. And I was just like thinking of like that impact. Like I know $11,000 isn't like a million dollars, but just thinking about the people spent their hard earned dollars to, to support that. And I don't, and you know, I went to the Mayo Clinic dinner the night before, so I got to hear the personal stories of people who've been directly affected by the organization in a positive way. And I was just like, started crying. I think it was mile eight. And I was like, Lindsay, you can't run and cry at the same time. You're going to have a really hard time breathing here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the best feeling though. It really is. And, and I think that, that anyone that comes and runs with us feels that uh, is just a little bit different. I mean, marathons are, wonderful just because they're marathons and, and everything that, that goes into training and, and just how people feel when they're out there on, on, a, on marathon day. But, um, Donna marathon weekends, just, just this added layer of love and hope that is palpable. I mean, you can just really feel it. Um, and, and, uh, so yeah, I, I'm so proud of it. I really am. It's, it, it is the most important thing that I've done in my life is, help to launch this organization and, and now have the absolute pleasure of, of leading the Donna Foundation as its executive director, um, actually celebrating 10 years doing that possibly today. I mean, my wow, is very soon. I need to go and look up when the actual day was, but it was January um, of 2010 um, that I was hired. Wow. wow. Okay. So tell us about um, what your job is like at the Donna found, I know you're the executive director of the foundation, but like, how does that then parlay into the actual race? Are you also the executive director of the race? Is it two? Is it like one in the same? It, we used to be two entities. There used to be, you know, the Donna foundation and then the 26.2 with Donna foundation, um, you know, to make a, a very long story short, you know, back when we launched the race, um, you know, it's a pretty 
pretty expensive endeavor. And the Donna Foundation, um, you know, it was pretty risky to have that really small nonprofit shoulder um, the risk of, of putting on a marathon event. Um, and the marathon really, when it was born, um, you know, its objective was to fund the Donna Foundation, which at the time served uh, families here in Jacksonville and on the first coast, and, uh, and then fund um, research at Mayo Clinic. And the Donna Foundation's mission was purely for the families locally. So, so it was sort of against their bylaws at the time to, to write big checks to Mayo. So the 26.2 at Donna Foundation um, was separate. And when I was hired in 2010, I was the executive director of the 26.2 at Donna Foundation. So it was, you know, an events team. Our job was to put on the event and raise money. Okay. In, in April of 2016, we merged those two organizations. And so the Donna Foundation now is the foundation. Uh, we expanded our mission to serve families nationally. So anyone in the United States can call in and receive help from the Donna Care Line. And um, by the way, if you're out there and, and you're facing a diagnosis with breast cancer, please go to the DonnaFoundation.org and call our care line. Anyone can call and we'd love to help you with the financial complexities that come along with that diagnosis. Um, no sense in being stressed about the finances. You need to focus on healing. Um, but anyway, um, so the Donna Foundation now exists uh, with three programs, the, the Care Line Helping Families, um, our research program that funds um, still the research uh, for the Translational Genomics Program at Mayo Clinic, and then we also have uh, survivorship programming, so survivorship education and awareness, um, which is in large part what we do, Donna Marathon Weekend, of, of really teaching people how to live and how to think about each day uh, through a lens of love over a lens of fear. And, you know, the more we know about our bodies and health and, and about the disease, the more empowered we are to overcome it. And, um, and so, you know, Donna Marathon Weekend is a part of my job. It's one of our signature events. Um, it is uh, the biggest event we put on every year. We also have two other events. Um, one is a, um, a stair challenge with our local hockey team, the Jacksonville Icemen. We, we conducted that event back in November. And then we have another event uh, in partnership with the Players Championship and the PGA Tour, the Players Donna 5K. It's held on Mother's Day weekend on the back nine of uh, TPC Sawgrass, which is absolutely the most stunning 5K you'll ever run. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. You talk about the love over fear, and I know that's like a huge part of, well, the Donna Foundation messaging and Donna Deegan's mm -hmm. message as well. I just like, how do you live that out in your own life? Because I guess not necessarily the love part, but the 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 walking away from fear part. Because I, I try so hard, and I mean, when I interviewed Donna, I think it's, you know, I was in the middle of this journey of trying to navigate that in my life. Like, how do I not give into living a life of fear and anxiety? And even, you know, I had a doctor's appointment two days ago. I'm waiting on some blood test results. And I'm like, I'm just living it right now. Like, how do you on a daily basis walk through that? Because we all have things that pop up. Sure. Um, and I do think it's a daily decision. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think there's a light switch that suddenly you get it and, and you know, and that, that you'll never have fear again. I think fear is a natural part of, of the human condition. Um, but I do think it's our choice. And, um, you know, if you can wake up every day and choose to look at all of your blessings in your life and choose to look at all of the love in your life, rather than focusing all, uh, you know, on all of the 
um, you know, what could happen and mm-hmm. looking over your shoulder and, and, you know, all of the horrible of horribles, um, you know, it really is a great place to be. Um, you know, for me personally, it's definitely a part of my faith walk. Um, you know, at the end of the day, my identity is, is in Jesus and what he did for me. And so none of the rest of it really matters. So, you know, that's just where I am. So, you know, when stuff happens and stuff always happens, yep. um, you know, it, it's just stuff. It really just doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's, I feel like it can feel like a lonely place because you think, oh, one, you know, something else is popping up in my life. There's one more reason to be anxious. But in all reality, like your neighbor next door probably has something going on as well. You just don't actually know because everybody doesn't put it all all out there. Absolutely. And, you know, and I don't know about you, but when I look back on my life and some seasons that I have walked through that have been particularly difficult, I see very clearly that there was a reason for that, or at least there was a lot of learning and, and, um, you know, insight that came out of going through those sort of valleys, um, that I apply to my life now and it's made me stronger and better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an intentional decision too. It's like, how can I use this? And we can, we can choose to use it or we can choose to be like, that was awful and not mm-hmm. try to find why it could have happened or not even necessarily that there was a reason, but like how we can turn it into a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, everybody, I'm going to jump in real quick. Remind you, A, go sign up for the Donna Marathon weekend, February 7th through the 9th. Go over to my website, lindsayhine.com for more information there. And you can also go to their website to register breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your entry fee. All right. And if you're local to the Indianapolis area, we are doing a local training program for the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon. I've teamed up with Athletic Annex and Michelob Ultra. This starts January 25th and we'll be meeting Wednesdays and Saturdays, Wednesdays at 6 p.m., Saturdays at 8 a.m., training 14 weeks for the 500 Festival Mini Marathon. If you do plan to run that race, use the code ANOTHER5 to get $5 off your entry. All right, head over to my show notes, lindsayhine.com, to learn more about the training program. All right, let's continue my conversation with Amanda Napolitano. So does it ever get overwhelming to think about, you know, like when you, when you, um, you guys are doing a lot. Like it's, it's a lot of big, important work. Does it ever get overwhelming? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you bet. It gets, it gets, you know, there are definitely days where, where you think, um, you know, gosh, are we going to be able to, to get this done? I think that, you know, for me personally, um, and I've definitely gone through seasons of self-doubt. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one thing of, of being in a job that is so significant to the lives of so many people that, you know, it, there's a lot of pressure there to, to be successful with it. Um, because I don't want to fail this organization. Uh, it means more to me than say, if I were working for, you know, you know, something, I don't want to say less significant, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it's, um, you know, I am, I am in my dream job. And so to fail it is, something that, that is a really fearful thing. Um, but I have to trust that God put me here. Um, he put me here for a reason. He's taught me, you know, how to do this. And so when I get into those seasons of, 
of, of fear. Um, you know, I just have to lean in and say, okay, I don't, I don't have this right now, but I know that you do. So, you know, one day at a time and, 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 and always, 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 I come out the other side of whatever that is thinking, okay, that's why that happened. And and now we're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do to recharge? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) fun. (laughs) I run, I run. run. I do. I run. I, um, it is so much, um, my, it's so much my happy place. It's so much my place of meditation. It's so much my place of prayer. It's, it's absolutely where I find joy. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the race one more time. Okay. Um, well, (laughs) both Donna and the BQ, but, um, I don't want to, glaze over the BQ and I want to make sure I give it as much attention as it deserves. And the, and just so everybody knows, I reached out to Amanda. She wasn't like, I BQ'd, have me on your podcast. I saw these pictures and I was like, I have to have her on the podcast because I talked to a lot of professional runners or people running OTQs. And I'm like, most of my listeners are people who are never going to do that, you know? Right. right. Um, And a lot of people who may not even have the desire to try to qualify for Boston, but I think that your story is just like so, so relatable to a lot of people. Um, You're a mother of two. You have a really important, I don't know if demanding is the right word, but a job that demands a lot of time and energy. And you also have these like big dreams and goals to qualify for Boston and you did it. Um, You have to tell us, um, the story of your husband gifting you the shoes and, and your daughter's letter. Like, I want to get a picture of your home life and like everything kind of coming together with the marathon. Yeah. Um, so several years ago, um, you know, I began to think to myself, okay, my kids are not babies anymore. Um, you know, I'm finding that I have more time on the weekends to train. I've got more margin in my life to, to try to get my speed back. And, um, and I had, um, I had, I had released my coaching job with Galloway because it was just so much, you know, leading the organization and then leading, leading the training was just too much. And, and I had looked back on this 15 years of, of sort of being the coach and felt like, um, it's time for me to have a coach. And, uh, so I began to work with, with Julie Stackhouse, who has, um, you know, won a variety of events, uh, for Donna and, and has become a very dear friend of mine. She's such a sweet person, encouraging person. And, you know, I sat down with her and I said, you know, I would really like to qualify for Boston. Can you help me? And, um, and of course she said yes. And, and we began to, to really focus and train. And, and I will tell you that, um, that it also happened to, to coincide with, um, with my turning 45, like Mm -hmm. 44, 45 years old. And what was happening in my body, I didn't realize what was happening in my body. And I mean, Lindsay, it was really scary. Um, I I trained really hard and, and sort of failed, Mm -hmm. um, really got to a place where I wanted to sit in the road and cry. And I think a lot of it had to do with hormones. A lot of it had to do with, with vitamin deficiencies. And so I found a doctor, thankfully that, 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 you know, clued me into these challenges and, and we sort of got that right. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I say that because I think women my age need to know that mm-hmm. 
that your body definitely goes through some changes and, and to know that, um, you know, kind of going in, but, but anyway, I trained really hard for Erie for the Erie marathon back in, uh, what was that? Um, 2016, 17, something like that. And, um, and leading into that marathon weekend, um, hurricane Irma, um, was approaching our coast. And so I had to make the decision, do I evacuate my family um, and go with them to Georgia out of the way of this storm? Or do I abandon them and get on an airplane and go run a marathon? Mm-hmm. And, and clearly that was no choice at all. And, and you know, we evacuated the family and, and sort of that was my sit in the road and cry moment with with my BQ objective. Um, I really did feel like, um, you know, maybe this isn't in the cards for me, you know, that that, gosh, it's been. 15 years since I ran a sub four marathon, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that season just will never happen for me. And it was that Christmas that my husband, um, gave me the vapor flies and he put a Boston marathon logo in like taped in the top of the box. Uh Uh, and so it was this partner of mine that knew me very well that that probably felt that I had begun to surrender that goal to say no not yet you you have it you know you have it in you and um and so I put those shoes on and 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 began to to run some much shorter events um and uh my friend Megan so our mutual friend Megan Marie oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so so Megan had been racing in the shoes as well. And of course, you know, she and Thomas both are big shoe people believe in the run and all the shoe reviews and everything. And, and there, and she said to me, she said, Amanda, you're faster than you think you are in those shoes. And so that began to play out in my mental, you know, racing life for about a year. Um, so that would have been 2019. Yeah. Throughout that sort of season of, um, of racing and, suddenly I began to PR, you know, I PR'd a 10 K I PR'd a 12 K I, you know, I PR'd a half marathon. I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm starting to get my mojo back here. And of course, all the time working with Julie and and having her be so encouraging and, and, um, you know, giving me the workouts that I needed to get stronger. Um, and then, um, so it was, you know, it's sort of my, my partner in life that, that nudged me back into to, um, believing in that dream again and believing that I could do it. Uh, and then he gave me the pink ones for Christmas this year, which is what I raced in on Sunday. Um, but, you know, this season, BQ is not a defined goal like it was the year that I trained for Erie and sat in the road and cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it really wasn't. It was it was just this natural progression to the goal. Um, but it was in the sort of the week leading up to Sunday. Um, and really I just wanted to run a marathon again because it had been a couple of years and I felt like I needed to get back on the horse. Um, but I began to tell myself, look, you've been racing and PRing, you know, what's to say not to go for it. If, if, if the weekend brings perfect conditions, give it a go. And the weekend, you know, brought perfect conditions. I mean, it was, it was in the forties and fifties all day long, bright blue sun, sunshiny day. And, and, um, you know, it was just one of those perfect days. Um, and it was, it was really Ella, my oldest daughter, she's 14 all week long. You know, she, she was talking to me about it. Are you ready, mom? Do you got, do you have this, you know, and I'm so excited. And, and she's the one that, that 
you know, looked at my husband and said, we have to be there on Sunday. We have to be in the finish line. And, you know, when you've been running marathons as long as I have, I mean, you know, oh, you're running a race today. Okay. Have a good race. See you when you get back. I mean, <laughs> Um, you know, having your whole family come out to the finish line just, you know, doesn't happen as a regular routine, but, but Ella was determined, you know, mom, we're going to be there, which I thought was really special. And so, um, you mentioned the note. I, so I wake up the morning of the race, you know, the four thirty alarm clock goes off and I walk into the kitchen where I've got all my, all my gels laid out and I have my oatmeal pre-measured, ready to go and my coffee, you know, brewing and everything. And, and there's this little note that's, you know, sitting on my stuff. I'm going to cry. Um, oh. you know, and it's just said, it said mom and, and, and it said, so I'll read it to you. Yes. Read it, please. <laughs> it says, uh, Hey mama, I just wanted to write you a note before your race because I will be sleeping before you leave. <laughs> you are a badass. And <laughs> And you got this. I believe in you and I love you so much. You're the best mom ever and truly a strong woman inside and out. God and everyone around you will give you the power and motivation you need to finish and catch your unicorn. We all love you so much and we'll be proud of you no matter what. You are awesome. Go and catch your unicorn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course, I'm standing in my kitchen just sobbing my eyes out. And, uh, you know, it was that it was that letter and that encouragement that was in my heart the whole race. And I don't think I was ever really tired. There was never a point in that race on Sunday that I felt like I don't got this. Mm. Um, and I, you know, you kids and being a mom, you know, and you, you just, you, you know, you have so much confidence in what they can do. Um, and when that, turns and they look at you and tell you, you got this and that they have confidence in what you can do. I just don't know that there's much more of a power drug than that. (laughs) That is Um, so cool. I mean, it's like you, you, she will never forget that. Like the experience of being her mom's cheerleader. Yeah. Because this is what we spend our lives doing with our kids. Yeah. And she will never forget seeing you cross that finish line. No. And, you know, that th- this particular race, it finishes on a track. It finishes on, on um, you know, on a high school track. And so you, you enter the, the stadium. Um, you know, I just got a vision of, of Joan Benoit Samuelson entering the stadium in the 1984 mm. Olympics. <laughs> Not quite that, that, you know, that, that big of a crowd for sure, but... <laughs> Uh, but my, my family was there and Julie was there and my dear friend, Chris Turner was there and, and, you know, a number of people that, that have been really encouraging me and I could hear them. I could see them. It was at that point I looked down at my watch and, and I figured that I had the BQ, but I didn't realize that I had had like my goal Mm -hmm. of, you know, those, Mm -hmm. those couple of minutes. And it was that moment that I realized, you know, oh my gosh, this is about to happen. This moment that I've been dreaming of for, you know, 20 years of, of crossing that finish line and, and having my whole family there. And uh, it was just amazing moment. Is it your Um, husband's voice in the background of the video? Um, it is. Yes. Um, the background you hear, you hear Ella sort of going, go mom. And then, and then, uh, and then Mike sort of, you know, encouraging me to, and then, and then my friend, Chris Turner took, took one of the videos and, you know, and he, he's the one that's sort of going, Wah! that might've been him that I was here. Go Amanda. Or you got this Amanda. 
Yeah. That's so cool. You know, the takeaways like I'm hearing from the whole story is like, first of all, what we speak into people matters. Yeah. You know, like it might seem really simple that Megan told you you're faster than you think you are in those shoes, but like every little thing that is said in a like to put our minds in a positive direction towards our goals matter you know I I think about this all the time my husband will always speak this stuff into me he's like oh you could do that no problem and it's like I actually like really take it to heart even if I don't realize I am at the time because it like she planted that seed in your head yeah no totally and, and I and it and I heard it all season all season it was in my head you're faster than you think you are in those shoes <laughs> and I yeah. love shoes but uh but yeah Wow. That's so awesome. Well, I, I am just so happy for you and it's, it's really cool. I, I say this often when I interview moms who have kids that are older, older than mine and are just kind of like a little bit further along in the parenting journey. It's really cool to see those kind of stories unfold too. And it gives me a lot of excitement for, for those moments in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's so fun. Every season with kids is different and, and has its own, you know, sort of ups and downs. Um, but I really am enjoying, um, you know, having, having a teenager, believe it or not, um, you know, and, and having someone that, that yes, needs my encouragement a lot, but, but can very often be as much of an encourager back to me. It's beautiful. And, and, you know, my mom and I are that way. So, um, so yeah, it's awesome. What's the age gap? I know you guys, you have a pretty big age gap between your girls. Yeah. Seven years. Seven uh, years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ella is 14 and, and Anna is seven. Okay. Give us like, I know you're still in it, but I always just love, I, this is a selfish endeavor, this podcast, Amanda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like always like, if I get someone on the line that I respect and admire, let me take all the advice. So, um, what's your best parenting advice? Oh, goodness. (laughs) I didn't prep you for that, but I just, I can see it from afar. And yeah, I'm not in your home in the morning when, you know, people are grumpy or whatever, but like, I just, I do admire you as a mom and I would love to hear, I would love to take any kind of advice I could get from you. You know, I think, um, and someone said this to me at some point in my journey and, and, and it resonated and, and I think it's, it's, it's sort of, I guess what I would say to answer that question. And that's be yourself, Mm. um, be who God created you to be. Um, and for me, that looks like a working mom who relies on, you know, a a wonderful husband teammate that does all of the picking the kids up from school and homework and all of that. And that can very often be a model that, um, you know, that you can, you can worry about that, that I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the Sally homemaker mom that's baking cookies every day for my kids and doing all of those things. But what I am doing is, is, you know, allowing my girls to see a, a strong person that, that has goals and, uh, and that's just who I am. And if I, and if I, if I don't do that, then it's not authentic and that's not who I want to be or the kind of mom I want to be. Yeah. So I think, I think whoever you are is, is who God created you to be. And that's the kind of parent that you're supposed to be. I appreciate that. I, um, I sometimes feel like I'm failing in some of these areas because I'm like, am I being selfish? Like, do I care more about what I'm doing than like making sure I'm having so many connections with my kids? And so what I'm trying to do right now is just be 
more intentional with those specific connections so that when we really are physically present with each other, I am like, I'm, I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I see some of my other friends who their gift is to be a stay at home mom. And that's like what they were born to do. Mm-hmm. And they're making the dinner. They're doing those things. And I'm like, Oh, I never make dinner. And am I, am I doing the things I need to be doing? And, and it's hard sometimes. Like I, I hate to say it cause I think I'd like to pride myself and think I don't struggle with mom guilt, but deep down inside, I think that like, am I doing enough feeling that's freaking mom guilt. It is it's mom guilt, you know, and we, and we can't help it. Right. It's gonna, it's gonna be there. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, do, do you want to be the miserable person that raises your kids? No. Um, because if, you know, if I have to be somebody I'm not, then that's a miserable existence that and nobody wants me to cook. I can tell you that. <laughs> I know. I, I try so hard. Like I will stand in my kitchen cause I am physically home a lot more than my husband. And I'll be like, if you could just prep some vegetables to like, you know, you don't even have to make the dinner, but just kind of have a plan for the dinner and he will happily cook it. That's my goal. And mm-hmm. I, I do think I am capable of that, but I just need to sit down and make, pl- make a plan. Um, <laughs> we all have our strengths though, for sure. And, and yeah, it, it's certainly regardless of if you're staying home or working part-time or working full-time, it's like figuring out what's best for you and your family can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. But I think everybody's family looks different and that's a beautiful thing. For sure. For sure. Okay. What's your biggest takeaway from, from the race? Um, the biggest takeaway from the race, um, or the training cycle. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, a couple of things. I think, I think that there's a season for everything in life. Uh, it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I've met this goal. Um, and, um, I think that, that, um, it's just my season. So I hope that encourages other people that, that, um, you know, it's never too late. Don't, don't stop believing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> I, was I don't think I haven't listened to that song 800 times. <laughs> right? Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, we need to get everybody listening. If you can get to the Donna Marathon, uh, February 7th through 9th weekend, come because Amanda and I are going to be, Amanda is going to be working her tail off. So you probably won't see Amanda unless you, well, if you run, you'll see her at the finish line, right? You're always at the finish line. I'm always at the finish line. You bet. With your unicorn hat. It's my unicorn hat. Yeah. Probably the one in the really obnoxious unicorn hat that was given to me by a friend, by the way, that, that her name is Andy and she just pours all kinds of love and support in, into my life. Back to your point earlier about it's just so important. The things you say to each other. Yeah. You know, somebody commented on your hat one time and I was like, where'd you get that hat? And you were like, oh, it's a story. It's a long story. So the story has to do with your friend, Andy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is a breast cancer survivor and, um, and, and leads a team, um, uh, and her sort of big thing is eight, you know, one in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer. And, um, and so, uh, you know, she encourages people to run and raise funds for the Donna foundation, but you know, she gave me that hat in a season where I was sort of in that place of feeling like I want to give up mm-hmm. and that this whole chasing unicorn thing was a dream that maybe I would have to let go. And I think what I realized in that love exchange moment where she gave me that hat was even if I don't achieve the goal of a Boston qualifying time that I've caught a lot of unicorns in my life. And she's one of those people and the people were able to help 
Um, and, and so that's sort of, sort of the quick story behind the hat and what it meant to me. And so I wore it that day. It's a couple of years ago. I started wearing the hat, um, just to remind myself of, of the blessings of every person that crosses that finish line, um, and being sort of such a unicorn in my life. Yeah. It had double meaning. You know, I did, whenever I saw it, I didn't even think about Boston, Yeah, but yeah, there's lots of meetings with that, to that unicorn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I hope, I hope that people, um, listening, I know that we've got some listeners that are for sure coming down for the race. And if it's not on your list for 2020, come like, like start planning now and thinking about it for 2021. Cause we'll, we'll be back again. And it's, it's really, truly one of the most positive experiences at a race I've ever had. Oh, thank you. And so 2021, listen to this. Okay. It's 14th annual Donna marathon weekend. Okay. It's on February the 14th. Oh, cool. It's on, on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. So it's a week later then. Um, it's always the second Sunday oh. in February. So it'll, you know, kind of flip floppy that way. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but we're definitely going to be all hearts and all and the more pink, all, all hearts and love and everything else. So, so we want to have like, I don't know, marriage proposals on the course that day. Okay. Fun. Okay. I can't do that. I can't deliver on that promise since I'm already <laughs> married, but I can, I can maybe, we can convince some of the listeners to, to orchestrate that. So let's wrap up with some end of the podcast questions. And are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Amanda Napolitano, I got it down. Do. What is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, um, and I know you gave me these questions in advance. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I think, I think let's just go with the theme of, I have never run Boston. Okay. In April of 2021, I will run Boston. Yeah. If that three minutes and 15 seconds doesn't get you in, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. You and me both, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Calling me some Dave McGillivray. Like, Dave, dude. Let me, yeah, let me into this race. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they tight, since they've tightened the standards again, hopefully that won't be a problem. Yeesh. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh yeah. That'd be Sunday. Yeah. Nice. Gotta go with, gotta go with the theme. Yep. Yeah. And just, just reminding everybody, she's been running marathons for 20 years and she's 46 and she just got her BQ. And I mean, I think it's important to, to bring up those seasons too, those times in your life where you were like, I don't need to pursue this right now. It's just not the right time. It doesn't always have to be the right time. Right. Exactly. And, and, um, you know, and, and it doesn't make you any more or less of a runner. Yeah. Right? As long as one foot in front of the other, you're, you're a runner. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you are new to running and you're scared to tackle your first marathon, think about the Galloway method. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Um, okay. Who is someone motivating, fun, or inspiring that you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And, um, you know, I think probably you, you feel this way too of all the great people that you get to engage with because of your job. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of doing the same thing. There are a lot of heroes and sheroes in my life that that I have been able to sit and have coffee with and have beverages with, be it, you know, Joan Benoit Samuelson, who's a dear friend. She called me on or texted me on Sunday, which was really cool. Um, and Jeff and others. I, 
you know, I was watching the award show on Sunday, whichever one that was. And, Golden Globes. Uh, yeah. And I was watching, um, you know, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and that whole crowd that have really taken control of their careers, uh, you know, they're not, not really liking the way that women, um, what opportunities there were for women to, to really advance their craft and, and that they sort of took matters into their own hands and established their own production company. And they seem so tight and they lean into one another and love one another. And I thought, I would love to just go out for drinks with that crowd. Um, you know, maybe bring my mom and, and sit with them and talk about, um, you know, sort of the journey that, that, that my mom had in sort of, mm-hmm. pa- you know, making a way, a path for women and leadership and, 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 um, you know, what, what maybe this crowd that's experience has been in their journey. I think that would be a cool, a cool happy hour. That's a fun answer. I actually just started, um, I, I didn't have it. I wanted to like shut my brain off last night and I didn't have anything I particularly wanted to watch. And Sunday night I went to bed like, 845 like so early so I didn't even try to watch the Golden Globes and I was watching it on um, Hulu last night Ricky Gervais is so funny oh my goodness he's a mess yeah he's hilarious um, that's a fun answer I love that okay um, what's the best most recent book you've read so I am reading right now um, an old book um, it's called kiss the joy and it's by Robert a Rains. it was a Christmas present from my mom Um, my mom celebrated a significant birthday in September and, um, for her birthday, we gave her a treasure box full of love letters from family, friends, people in her life, um, that just really poured a lot of love over her. And, um, and so she's begun to fill that box with things that have meant a lot to her in her life. And, um, she came across this book that she read when she was probably about my age now, and um, remembered how significant it was for her. So she gave it to me for Christmas. And so I'm reading these pages that my mom read, you know, about about the same time, you know, in terms of, of age and her life. And it's been, been a really cool read. That is so cool. I like, I so admire you and respect you. Like, I don't know, just like <laughs> that you're 10 years older than me. Exactly. And I just feel like, I don't know. It's, I think it's so important to, be in some sort of relationship with someone who has like just a little bit ahead of you, you know, yeah. cause I'm like, you, I feel like you felt these feelings at this age and like, you're just a step ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know why I find a lot of comfort in that. Well, you should. I mean, you know, I think that all of us are in a place where we can lean into, you know, those that have come before us and learn, you know, and, and have wisdom from them, but also remind yourself that you're also in a place to, to lend a hand to someone else and, you know, and to, and to encourage and mentor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's lean in ladies. Love it. Okay. Amanda, you just signed yourself up to be my new mentor. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You have, you do not have enough going on. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, what's, well, the question, next question is what's a nonprofit you like to support. And obviously we've got the Donna foundation here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be the one. Yeah, for sure. What is your one message to send to the world? You know, I'm going to have to, to go with the same one you heard from Donna and that's love over fear. Um, you know, it's something that, that, that she has absolutely 
taught me to to understand better and and it's something that that we think about every day here uh, and how we can teach people that whole message and approach. I love it. Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm humbled and honored to to have been asked to do this. Um, it's exciting for me to sort of have this story now that I can look back on. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, I always say that I'm like, when people come on the show, I'm like, I want you to be, I want to talk about things that matter to you, like in your heart, you know, because I want you to be able to like play this back for your kids one day and be proud of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I love it. Well, thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. Thanks, Amanda, for sharing your story and giving us some insight and wisdom. I'm so serious when I say that I really look up to you and um, yeah, let me know when I can hire you to be my mentor. You guys can find Amanda on Instagram. She's Amanda N-A-P. You can find the Donna Marathon on Instagram, 262 with Donna. Hope to see you guys there. Don't forget to use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your registration. Breastcancermarathon.com. One of my favorite races of the whole entire year. And friends, you can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. In that group, we are reading the book Running for My Life by Lopez Lamong. Really, really good book. The book club is super casual. Anybody can join. But the group is a great community where people connect ask each other questions, advice, and really just support each other. So make sure you find our group over there. Links to all of that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Thanks so much for being here today. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.